It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the Amazing Mets Love My Podcast. Recently, I sat down with former Mets pitcher and current SNY analyst Ron Darling. Right, let's go back April 1st, 1982. You and uh, Walt Terrell traded for really the Derek Jeter before Derek Jeter. <laughs> Lee Mazzilli. A lot of people don't realize Lee Mazzilli was an icon in New York, good looking guy, a man about town. How much pressure was it on you to be traded for somebody like that? A local kid, right? Um, you know, I didn't know that much about Lee. Um, the first time I ever heard of Lee Mazzilli was in 79 uh, in the All-Star game when he had that fantastic right. game. Hit a home run down the left field line, left-handed. I was like, who is this guy? And I remember his uniform being extremely tight. Right. I said, this guy has the, the greatest yeah. uniform I've ever seen. He's like Fonzie. It was. <laughs> it was amazing. But um, uh, I, I, do, I do remember a couple of things from that day. And one was um, uh, Lee kind of knew he was going to be traded. And once he had found he had been traded for Walt Terrell and I, um, the famous words, he said, I mean, I can't believe I'm getting traded for two minor leaguers. I remember that <laughs> yeah, line. I do too. And, you know, Lee and I happen to be great friends now, so I always kid him about it. And he's a teammate in 1986. And a teammate in 86 and beyond and, and a great friend for life now. Yeah. But um, on my end of that um, deal is that that morning I had been called into Don Zimmer's office. I was with the Texas Rangers. And I had a really good spring training, and he called me in, and he said, Ron, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send you to Oklahoma City. You're going to make three starts, and on your fourth start, you're going to be called to the major leagues. You're going to pitch in Texas against the Minnesota Twins or some team, whatever. And uh, so I was going, uh, as soon as he sent me down, I was driving to Plant City, which is four hours from the Texas Rangers training camp at Pompano Beach. And by the time I'd gotten to Plant City, the New York Mets had traded for me. And the next day, or I don't think it was later that day, the next day is the first time you and I met. Right, On right. the steps of Huggins Stengel. And you said, uh, hey, we're going to have a few people that want to talk to you. And I saw the most people I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life coming my way. And I uh, was scared to death. Yeah. Jump ahead to the present day, right? He's a former pitcher, a great pitcher. What do you make of Jacob DeGron, what he's done? It's like he's almost a robot. I mean, you, you pitch with Dwight, you know. Is there any comparisons between the two where, I mean, different kind of pitchers? And- well, you know, there was there was definitely a magnetism about Dwight. Um, I think that we fall in love with teenagers who can beat older men. And I think that was one of the attractions of Dwight. He was 19 years old. Uh, Jacob came up a little later in his career. But they sh- share the same uh, fluidity, athleticism, uh, tear-your-heart-out kind of competitive nature. Um, and consistency. Uh, Dwight, through those first two years in 84 and 85, um, he made a lot of teams look like little leaguers. And I think the same uh, can be said of of Jacob deGrom. Um, You know, Jacob deGrom um, was a former shortstop, a great athlete who became a great pitcher. And I said this once in the broadcast because I used to be a shortstop who became Mm -hmm. a good pitcher for the New York Mets. And I always say kiddingly, but not that kiddingly, 
DeGrom was having the kind of career, when I fell asleep on the pillow, that's the kind of career I wanted. That's how great he is. Uh, he's, a, he's a dream, not only to watch as a fan, but as a broadcaster, um, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anyone more consistent uh, over this long a period of time. I mean, no, no, for sure. But, I mean, it would be a shock if he doesn't win another Cy Young. A shock. Shock to me. Uh, he has definitely done everything that you can do. Now, listen, Ryu, for three-quarters of a year, had it because he was having right. a season that DeGrom had last year. But part of winning a Cy Young is being consistent over six months. And certainly uh, uh, Jacob has done that. It's only been 10 pitchers in the history of the game that have won back-to-back Cy Youngs. He'll be the, he'll be the 11th. Well, you know, your career, you said you're not, you know, the grub. But I looked at some research, and he was the Mets, almost 30 games over 500, but career 136 and 116. I mean, six straight years, double-figure win. So you got to be proud of what you accomplished as a pitcher. You know, I, I'm so proud. Um, you know, there used to be at Shea Stadium, they would always put up the top five uh, stats for the hitters and pitchers for the franchise. And I, I will tell you that occasionally I would, uh, you know, look up there and see Seaver, Kuzman, Gooden, Matlack, and I would always be fifth. Now, I certainly wouldn't be fifth now. I'd be uh, sixth probably on that lineup because of, of Jacob. But um, it gives me great it gives me great pride that I wore the uniform, and it gives me great pride that I was a really good pitcher uh, for really good teams. Right. When you get out of uh, uh, baseball, 95, 96, yeah. did you— Think you would go right into broadcasting? I, I didn't. In fact, uh, Jay, most players are all the same. Uh, you get out of baseball because baseball kind of kicks you out. You know, you're no good right. anymore. So there's this, I don't know, kind of mourning period where you don't really like the game right. because you think you might have been given the short end of the stick or, boy, I still had some years in me. Uh, but what you really, really realize is that you just weren't that good anymore. That's just kind of happens like that. It's a, a young person's game. And then after you're out but three or four years, you start to turn on the World Series game and you start to turn on a Friday night game and you, and you realize how much you love the game. And uh, I know that I didn't want to get back in uniform. That wasn't like uh, my dream. Uh, but I did want to be part of the game. And, and broadcasting has seemed broadcasting was the perfect fit for me because I, I um, somehow, some way, I get to watch great athletes play this wonderful sport. And someone sends a check. I don't know where it comes from, but it's great. So you, you started with Washington. So how did Tammy? How did it get the S and Y thing come about after you know his fourteenth year this year? I know it's crazy, right? Um, um, two thousand and five, two thousand and six. I don't know if it was December or January. I came in and had an interview with the uh, S and Y, which the Mets uh, station, and uh, I think there was two or three other people that were ahead of me. But um, what SNY really wanted to do is capture what Lindsey Nelson and Ralph Kiner and Bob Murphy had done before, and that's three names, three guys that did most of the games and, and really had that con- continuity uh, for the broadcast. And I think the other uh, guys that were ahead of me did not want to do that many games. I certainly did. And, um, and with Keith and Gary... Um, it's it's been fourteen of the greatest years of my life. I mean, you Keith was a teammate. Did you, did you know Gary at all before you started? I didn't. In fact, when Gary started full time, was right around the time that I was I started to like phase out of New York and I was going to go uh, someplace else. So um, I, I knew Gary was doing radio, but boy, I mean, how do you even think of uh, Gary Cohen when Bob Murphy is still doing radio? Right. I mean, Bob was just such an iconic figure. Um, so I knew him, but I didn't know him well. 
Um, Keith and I were great friends when we played. We've become even better friends because uh, we spent so much time together. And, and then being around Gary, uh, there's two things uh, that, that are great. I have a lot in common with Gary. You know, we both went to Ivy League schools. Um, and, and his excellence is, is um, a, a, as good as anyone who calls the game. You have, you have the roles divided up. I mean, you each, you each have your own niche in the broadcast. I mean, uh, it, I, I wish, uh, Jay, I have no idea what we're doing up there. Um, I, I think that what we try to do is Gary tries to take uh, uh, the, the bolts, uh, uh, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of the broadcast, and Keith does hitting and I do pitching, and that's kind of how we divide it up. But, um, you know, I grew up with a father who taught me how to play all facets of the game. Keith did too, so sometimes those things are very fluid. Keith, Keith loves talking about pitching. I love talking about hitting. So uh, we, have, we have fun with it, and then with Gary's direction, kind of the rudder of the ship, uh, we try to stay on point. And, and Keith really, you know, I'm with Keith a long time. He yeah. really hasn't changed much at all. I mean, he's really, it's Keith. Ke- Keith, it, Keith I, the only thing that has changed for Keith is when Keith, and, and you and I knew him when he played, uh, he was such an intense competitor that on game days, you know, you, you didn't want to talk to him. Uh, he was just into the game. And now he's like, He's, he, he has so much fun. Like, he, he, he's not like he was as a player. I think, you know, we used to kiddingly think of him as a very kind of dark personality when he played. He's just the opposite now. He's like a, uh, he's like a, a, a fun-loving uncle. That's uh, what he is. Well, Ronnie, players have an off-season. Now, you really don't have an off-season. You yeah. go TBS, MLB Network. I know you do stuff on FAN. Is it hard to keep going all year round? I mean, you really don't get much of a break. Like like a player, do you keep going another month or two? And keep- yeah, just like I think some players now have, uh, are working out twelve months a year. Baseball has become a twelve month right. kind of job. The same the same with the NFL and NBA and and all those things. No, I, I love it, Jay, and I, I think it's important for my broadcast because um, when I'm at MLB in the winter, I'm talking about the Minnesota Twins top ten prospects. I would never know that in the winter unless I did those shows. So. Um, I think it, it makes me more well-rounded as a broadcaster, and I can bring, you know, to an SNY Mets broadcast some things that even shocking from the DH American League. I can I can bring some uh, facts and figures from there. So to me, I think it makes me a more well-rounded uh, uh, broadcaster. A lot of extra study, you know, where you have to keep up. And, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fun, though. It's like... Uh, it's like being in school and not getting any grades. You know, it's really yeah. other than uh, other than maybe the guys uh, uh, the guys that write about the media guys in the in the post and the news. But usually there aren't any grades, and it's just uh, I don't know. I I um, I love it. Go back to Yale for a second. Yeah. May of 1981, you against Frank Viola, a future teammate. 11 innings, no hit ball. Still, I think the longest no hitter in NCAA history. You lose the game on a double steal. Yeah. Well, uh, it was. Um, it was kind of funny. Like I, I think of my life, and and the game that I'm most famous for is, is a game I lost uh, in college, um, uh, one to nothing. But the greatest thing about it is I got a lifelong friendship with Frank Viola. Um, I've loved that guy forever. And the one thing I remember, I think it's the classiest thing I've ever saw, saw done uh, personally for me on a uh, on a field. Um, and that was after I gave up the hit to Steve Scaffa uh, in the top of the twelfth. The entire St. John's team stood in the top of the uh, step of the dugout and clapped. And I always thought that was one of the classiest moves uh, 
from a classy uh, university. I know when you're not doing baseball, I know you're an avid reader. Mm -hmm. History, what's your favorite books did you read? Well, um, any books that you're giving me, Jay. I mean, those are usually my favorite books. But no, I, um, uh, yeah, I'm just a voracious reader. I always have been since I was a kid. Um, I I read not only uh, fiction, but I think history is is, uh, the thing I like to read about the most. And uh, autobiographies seem to be the way I like to go. I want to find out what makes great people tick, um, because that's that's what we're aspiring to. To be as uh, as as our best version of ourselves. I know in two thousand and nine you started a foundation in honor of your son Jordan with juvenile diabetes, and I spoke to Donnie Lapellis. He interesting thing you kind of branched out. You kind of like to personalize what you're doing instead of giving gifts to organizations per se that you did it after Sandy. You found families who lost a lot. And, yeah, uh, I think I think um, well, when you start a foundation, you definitely have a goal in mind because that's your purpose and. When my son Jordan got uh, diabetes, I, I was thinking, what can I do? I mean, somehow I've got to figure out a cure for him so he doesn't have this for his entire life. Half of our money goes uh, to research for diabetes. But I found the other half because I've been given so much in New York. Um, I wanted to give back to the people that are in New York. And uh, the best thing I think we've ever done, and we've done 100 things, but the best thing we ever did is after Hurricane Sandy, Bob's Discount Furniture uh, worked with us and we were able to give um, these credit cards for $5,000 in furniture for the people that lost their homes. And to me, um, having families and having the kids crying, I mean, I got emotional. It was was crazy, but um, to be able to, you know, uh, people that rebuilt their house uh, to put furniture in it, um, I don't know, it it seems so simple uh, and so surreal. I might get emotional when we see the kill me, I'm going to say. Uh, when Shannon Ford passed mm. away, you did everything possible, raise money, go to dinners, went to her fields. People should know what a big heart you have, and her oh. family has never forgotten you, and, and you just do tremendous things for her, and I'll never forget the stuff that you did for her. Well, you know, you know, Shannon, it's kind of funny. I knew Shannon the least because I didn't know her as a player. Yeah. I'm too old. Um, and I knew her as a broadcaster, and I, I just will tell you, that every single second I saw her, before she was sick, while she was sick, when she was the most sick, um, she made you feel better. And there's not many people that that make you feel like that. And, uh, um, you know, we know she's in heaven, and uh, we just tried to make sure that the people that are still left here, her children and her husband, um, have things a little easier uh, until it's their day to see her again. My last question, you had a house thing this year yeah. with our cancer. How are you feeling right now? You know, I, I feel um, I feel good. My stamina is not great. My voice is not great. But um, uh, i got a couple more things I have to do. But I'm thinking by Christmas um, I should be 100% knock on wood. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have it worse than I do. This is my health challenge uh, time. And uh, uh, But uh, I'm going to be good, Jay. Thank you for being afraid all these years. You're the best, Jay. You're the best. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 